Almost all of us do not like it when other people judge us. And oftentimes they condemn us when they don't have all the facts. But how often do we think about God's consideration of us and whether he's going to judge us? We're going to take a look at the fact that saving faith not only allows us not to be judged by God, but not to be condemned, but also be given eternal life. So let us take a look at saving faith. If you have your Bibles, please turn to John 3.16, and we'll go, be going from there. John 3.16, probably the best-known address in the world. If you are a sports fan of any uh, sports, over the decades, you've probably saw somebody holding up a cardboard sign that says John 3.16. There have even been ball players whether it's football players or basketball players or baseball players, who will have black under their eyes and then say John 3.16. Now, most Christians know what that address says and means, but I'm not too sure the rest of the world does because all they ever saw was the address John 3.16. And so we're going to take a look at that address because it's an important address and it's something that we should pay attention to. And since we are on a journey to make sure that we find and strengthen and increase faith. We're going to see how valuable this journey is to find faith. So in John 3:16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So I want you to notice a few things here in this one compact, meaningful, insightful verse. It starts off for God. God starts the process of faith and salvation. It isn't us turning over a new leaf. It isn't us deciding to be a better person. It isn't us deciding to be holy. It is God who starts. So for it's God who loved the world. It's God who loves. It's not a God who hates. It's not a God who's angry. It's not a God who's vindictive and can't wait to just <laughs> cause you pain. He loves. God is love. And it's funny, we live in a world that everybody wants to talk about love, and we sing about love, and we all this, but we don't really appreciate true love because we don't see how God loves. We see how we want to be made feeling better, but God gives. God's love is that which reaches out to those who are in need. So it is. So God loved the world. Now, the world is not just the Jews. It's everybody. It's the Greeks. It's the Turks. It's even Americans. It's all of the world, all the ethnicities throughout the world. No matter what geographic location you are, God loves you. So God, who loves the world, gave Again, it is God who is the one who is giving. He gave his son, his only begotten son. And again, it shows that we who are in need, God does something. That is love. It is not something that, because oftentimes we say, I love you, but then we don't 
match whatever need is there or in that person's life. But God sees our need, so he gave his only begotten son, which again shows the difference between God and at least me. Throughout my trip this day, I saw a lot of different people, and a lot of different people just confirmed why I don't like people. They'd be rude. They wouldn't be courteous. There were a number of things, and I just go, and I, you know, but thank God I'm not God. Because I would have not given any of my children for them. But God gave his only begotten son for us. And quite frankly, we are a lot worse than the people I just didn't like. So God in his love gave and saw the need that we have, which is we are sinful people. But he gave his only begotten son so that whoever, it is not restricted in whether you're a Jew or a Gentile or a Greek or an American or a Canadian or Chinese, whatever your ethnicity is, whoever believes in Jesus, in God, shall not perish. You see, faith has its own rewards because we will not perish, but we will have eternal life. Now, eternal life is not just a long life. Because let's face it, if I said under the present conditions, especially as we get older and we have more aches and pains and illnesses and, and whatever, we're not too thrilled with another, let's say, 80 years of heartache and pain and cancer and chemo and whatever the situation may be. Just extending life is not worth it. But God gives us eternal life. It's not life, death, life, but it's an eternal life that is filled with joy and hope and his presence and peace and all the things that God has and love, all of those things that God is and that he provides for us. It'll be that kind of eternal life. It's not just life as it is continuing, but the life that God intended us to live. One where there's no anxiety and no tears because he's going to wipe those away. He's going to comfort those. He's going to give us that rest and that peace. His eternal life is worth it. It's not just continuing on in the misery and pain of this life. It is one of eternal presence with him. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Now, I want you to see something here. It says, God didn't send Jesus to judge us, which is an important fact I want you to understand because people will say, well, it's the rejection of Jesus that sends you to hell. No, it's the refusal to accept him that sends you to hell. And so people will say, well, you know, if we don't send missionaries to the Hottentots and wherever or, or some other ethnicity that's never heard, if we, if we send them and we tell them about Jesus and they reject Jesus, then they're going to go to hell. No, they're going to go to hell because they would have been judged. 
God didn't send Jesus to judge us. God sent him that we might be saved through him. I want you to understand, Jesus didn't come to condemn. Jesus came to relieve us of that, that we might be saved. It's that saving faith. We believe in him. Now, people hate to be judged. You know it. And you've heard people, even when you weren't judging them, you'll hear people say, well, don't judge me. I didn't judge you. I didn't condemn you. You just said what you're doing isn't right. You know, whatever. But there's a sense of don't judge me. And so whatever people want to do, they do. And they think if you don't condone it, that you are judging them. Well, we don't like it. And most of the time, let's be, be fair. Most of the time when we feel judged, we're not as bad off as that because they don't have all the facts. They don't understand our intentions. They don't understand our true meaning. They see the outside and then they judge. And then they oftentimes condemn. God didn't see Jesus to condemn us. As a matter of fact, the scriptures again say, but God demonstrated his love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He doesn't wait for us to be perfect to save us. He saves us in the exact condition we're in. And so there's, and also the scripture says that those who are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. So again, the fact that we come to saving faith avoids judgment by God, who is a righteous judge, who knows not only all the facts, but our thoughts and our intentions and all that are, and we will not be able to counter his judgment. So that is why it is better not to be judged by God. Better to have faith in Christ so that we are no longer judged but we are saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. See, again, it's not a matter of whether you reject Jesus. It's a matter of whether you don't accept him and what God has done for him. Now, I want you to understand, I wouldn't offer my children or grandchildren's for any of y'all who I like, I like or love, let alone the people I don't like. But let's face it, if God so loved us that he sent Jesus not only to be a human, which is far below who he is, it would be like, it would be worse than you and me becoming an ant. He's God. And he comes and he takes on the clothing of a human. And he suffers rejection and persecution and opposition and beating and flogging and spit upon and nailed to a cross. And a spear is thrust in his side and he dies. 
I've sent my children for you and you walked on their blood, I would be very angry. I suspect God will too, but God will have a holy wrath. But he's trying to tell us, instead of concentrating on God's judgment and condemnation, look at the fact that he sent his son because he loves us. Now, why he does, that's God's business because he's God and I'm not. But it says God is love. And so, no, as I've, I've shared with some of my family members, there's a song that, that says, that he loves me even in my worst day. I'm amazed he loves me even in my best day. But he's God and he does. He doesn't just love me from afar. And he doesn't just love you from afar. He sent his son to deal with our most pressing need, sin. So that we might be forgiven and that we might be holy. We might be sanctified and that we might dwell in heaven in his presence forever. So if you believe, you're not judged. If you don't like to be judged by your friends and your peers and, and people you don't know, let me tell you, it is not a good thing to be judged by a holy God. So I would much rather suffer your judgment and be holy in his sight than to be holy in your sight and be condemned by him. So faith gives us that impossible blessing of not only having eternal life that is renewed and joyful, but that we will dwell in his house forever. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. And we can see that in the world. Every generation thinks that the next generation is going to hell in a handbasket. But you know, throughout the generations, they were right. It doesn't seem, even, even, even in the greatest generation. They weren't perfect. We seem to be on a path that always would rather take darkness than light. Because when we are exposed in the light, what we do, whether it's good or bad, is exposed. And we don't want that exposure. We'd rather to be hid. And so in today's world, one of the reasons we think it's getting so bad, it used to be when people conducted themselves immorally, there was shame. There was acceptance, but there was shame. In today's world, there is no immorality. You do whatever you want. And it's celebrated. Your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. But the reality is, it's not his truth. He is truth. And so, instead of coming to the light, most people avoid it. 
And so one of the things when we are being his witnesses and we're sharing that you should come to the light, that you should get this saving faith, that you should no longer have to be judged and condemned, but have eternal life, they will avoid it. Or they will struggle as mightily as they can to prevent it on for another day. For everyone who does evil hates the light. The light and does not come to the light or fear that his deeds will be exposed. And it's obvious in the world today. You can have any philosophy, religion, spirituality, you name it, except to be an evangelical Christian. Then it's okay to fun, make fun and mock you. Because they don't want to come to the light. They don't want to see and be responsible to God. But he who practices the truth comes to the light. So that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. This little phrase Jesus will talk about when he talks about bearing fruit. There are a lot of people who will say that they are Christians. And I'm not judge. God is. I don't know whether they are or not. But God has told us to be fruit inspectors. And if I don't see fruit, it's hard for me to believe that you're a Christian. Now, again, it's not up to me. I, I'm, I'm not, you know, even the joke about St. Peter. St. Peter doesn't let you in or out. The only access you have to God is through his son. He is the gateway to heaven. So I am not. And so, but when we look at it, so, so what he's saying is, if you are a true believer, if you have come to the light, then your actions, your deeds ought to show that you've come to the light. So you ought to be more loving. Now, it doesn't mean that you're perfect, that you move along. And I'm, you know, as, as you hear, I keep complaining about people. And well, you know, and I'm hoping to complain less and less. But, you know, every, every day I find a new idiot. So, you know, it, but I, I try. I'm trying to have good fruit, but sometimes it's a little harder in certain areas than others. So, for instance, I don't have a lot of difficulty in believing the Word of God. I have a little difficulty doing it, but I don't have as much from it. You know, if God says it, then it's true. And I'm not going to argue with him because I wasn't there when he created the heavens and the earth. I wasn't even there in 1951. So, I mean, you know... He says what he does, and, and, and I have no problem with that. I have a little more difficulty with other aspects of the scriptures and, and whatever, but we're maturing on and we're moving. But I'm trying to produce fruit in relationship to what he has done for me. So it says, but again, but if he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought, in God, which again is like another passage in the scriptures that said, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. 
and that we are God's workmanship prepared beforehand to do good deeds. We don't do good deeds to be saved. We do good deeds to manifest that he has saved us. Don't get it backwards. You get saved through faith. Then you demonstrate that saving grace through your action. But that's the kind of God we have. The kind of God who doesn't say, you got to do five things before you go to heaven. Or that you have to never swear between from this date until you die. And if you do, oops, you blew it. Or that you always say a kind word. Or whatever, whatever struggle you have with sin. God doesn't say, you got to overcome that and then we'll talk. God says, I loved you, even in your current condition. I'm just simply asking you one thing. To believe in your heart that Jesus raised from the dead and confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. Boss. And you're saved. That's the kind of God we worship who says, you don't have to be different. I'll change you. You don't have to turn over another leaf. I'll give you a whole new tree. I am the type of God who restores and redeems and heals and even resurrects the dead. That's the kind of God that we come to. And that's the kind of God who simply says, believe in my son and you shall be saved. Saving faith. It's not just looking for gold, not looking for pearls. It's looking for something that is infinite in value. And all he offers it by saying, come to me, believe, and let your life shine. And all God's people said,